Hello everyone and welcome to episode number 47 of Off The Block Swimming Podcast. Thank you all very much for joining us today, wherever you are right now listening. I'm your host, Robbie Cox. Now, as I mentioned yesterday, this is part two of a two-part episode with the South African superstar, the two-time Olympian and four-time Olympic medalist, and the man that in 2012 did the unthinkable and won the 200 fly in London, beating the best swimmer ever in Michael Phelps. Of course, I'm talking about the one and only Mr. Chad LeClow. As Chad gears up right now for the Season 2 launch of the ISL over in Budapest, we caught up with him via Zoom a few weeks ago and checked on how training's going, how excited he is to be back racing again, as well we look at his incredible journey from the pool in humble beginnings to becoming Olympic champion and beating his idol Michael Phelps. We also discuss Rio 2016, his learning experiences from there, as well we take on drugs in sport and whether he should be given the gold medal Medal from the 200 freestyle in Rio. We also talk about his plans for the future in the pool, what mountains and next to conquer on his list. Let's not waste any time. Let's not get stuck listening to my voice. Let's get stuck right into it. So if you need a shot of positivity, if you need some words of wisdom from a man who has done it all and still wants to accomplish more, then you've come to the right place. Get your pen and paper ready because my chat with the legend that is Mr. Chad LeClose starts now. Away they go. No problems with the start. There is two 100s in the second in it. Gary Hall Jr., the extrovert, and Ian Thorpe battling it out down the pool. Thorpe is starting to go away from him. Oh, he's blowing him away now. Thorpe's gone more than a metre on Van der Noot and the sinister of all lines is the great Phantom Butterfly. Susie O'Neill. It's coming back. Oh, it's shot. He can't do it to him again. Chavis in the white hats. Vets in the black hats. And Vets is bullets. I cannot believe he's done that. Thorpe to the front. Thorpe to the hall. Thorpe goes in. Australia win. There's no doubt over the next few years following London, mate, with World Champs, Con Games, you know, you, you were still doing pretty well. Um, uh, you know, winning, winning world championships, winning, winning com games for all the young athletes out there listening today, mate, what are some of the keys to being so consistent? And obviously, you know, you were doing it at the highest, most elite level, but you were doing it consistently, consistently, sorry. And I'm sure you were battling you know, injuries at times and, and not finding motivation. Cause I guess, but I, I guess maybe it is finding motivation because you'd already reached the pinnacle. Mm. You were the, you, you were the world champion or the Olympic champion. What is the key to sort of staying consistent? Well, I think there's a couple of things. I think for me, I mean, the obvious ones, the, the, you know, discipline and dedication. Um, but also just like for me, it was just always like the goals kind of, you know, drove me to be better, you know. So what I wanted to achieve in the sport, I think after London, it was the hardest time for me because I wasn't able to motivate myself because I'd achieved everything I wanted to achieve, right? In like one moment. And uh, it was it was hard for me at the time because I, I was training at whatever level you want to call it, right? And I still thought I was training at that crazy Olympic pace when I wasn't, you know. I was getting away with it, you know, especially short course and stuff like that. But like, I think once I found it again, it was it was a great feeling you know it was a great feeling to find it again and, and and i mean look firstly i'd like to speak on injuries i'd say i had a lot of injuries absolutely um you know do your rehab do your prehab especially for the shoulders 
the hips, whatever it is that you have a problem with. And don't push through any injuries that you have a problem with. If it's like a, I always compare it to like a push-up. You know, if you do like 30 push-ups, you get that burning sensation. That's great. You push through that in the training. But if you have a sharp pain in your rotator cuff or the back here, stop straight away. There's no need to sort off. I know a lot of coaches, I don't know how other people are, but I'll tell you what, man, I've been around so many coaches, especially South African coaches, swim it off. I had this groin injury hernia for over 10 years. Swim it off, man. You don't swim it off. When Cristiano Ronaldo does his ankle in training or on the pitch, he doesn't even move. They bring the stretcher to him. That's how it should be in yeah. swimming. And for whatever reason, because swimming is not an impact sport, not a, a contact sport, people don't take injuries and strain seriously. So same with sickness. You know, you're not a hero. You're not brave by coming to training when you have the flu. Mm. You're only going to get make yourself worse. Maybe even have a heart problem. You know, because you know if you have bronchitis or something. So like, take two days off, three days off, even one week off. It's going to be better than, you know, I'm trying to say, trying to shoot yeah. through it and getting a full blown infection for four or five weeks. You know, so I always, always on the safety side with that side. Um, but also just, I think taking your breaks. You know, using your breaks wisely. Don't be, maybe don't train on your breaks. Don't enjoy yourself whatever whatever you like to do if you like to go to the beach and surf go surf for two weeks right if you like to go to Mauritius with your family and whatever on the island go do that if you like to go out and hang with the boys for a couple of nights you know if you're a little bit older then then do that right like but just get out your system and and, and come back and and slowly build up you know you don't have to chase anything the first week or two you know there's no need to do that and and, and you know timing is everything i think emotional energy is is the key a lot of the time, your emotional energy gets shot, you know, even before big competitions because you're so, you know, focused on it. You're so, uh, you know, just chill. Just do your thing. I mean, even last weekend, we went wakeboarding with the team. Obviously, I didn't do it because of my, you know, recent injuries. I don't want to get sick. But, like, I was there. The boys were wakeboarding. I was taking videos. It was just, it was a good time, right? Like, still enjoy yourself, you know, find ways to enjoy yourself. But don't, uh, don't overdo it, you know, especially when you come to, close to competition. Absolutely, man. I think that's all great advice. And I know you're probably looking at me then because you're saying some coaches and you know I'm coaching like, oh, I don't know if he's going to agree. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, I absolutely no, no, I absolutely agree with that, mate. There's there's a lot more damage to be done. Even around sickness, as you said, like if someone's sick, genuinely sick, because sometimes, let's face it, you know, teenagers can bung it on yes. a little bit. But if you're sick, if yes. you're, yeah, days off. Get away from the pool. There's nothing to be gained from coming in sick. And it's going to make also, you more sick, isn't it? And also you're going to make other people sick. It must be not selfish, man. Yeah. You must know with me and my team, you guys know how I am. I'm like a bit of a germaphobe. If you're sick, you don't sit with the team. Even here in Glory, you sit at your own table. I don't care who it is. It's not not personal, man. If it's the yeah. coach, if it's the, you, you, you move, you know, I think when one of the, you guys came last year, I'm not going to tell you the name. They came there, they were coughing a bit. And I knew they were sick because the doctor told us sat down there. I said, what are you doing? Oh, no, no, I'm sitting down. I said, you're not sitting down. There's your table there. So I'm sorry, I'm not going to be rude. And then one of the other guys was like, hey, come on, chat. Don't be like that. They knew. I'm like, I don't care how new you are. I don't care how old you are. You sit at the table. That's how, you, know, you lead by example. That's what I do. Yeah. You, must, you must abide by the rules because you yeah. can't, can't afford to make the team sick, man, because of someone's feelings with, re with respect, you know? <laughs> oh, no, uh, mate, look, if, if for all the bad things that uh, COVID has done, and it, let's face it, it's been you know, devastating around the world, but one thing it has made, like if you get a little bit sick at the moment, you have days off work because you have to go get tested. And these are things we probably should have been doing anyway, right? Like if you're not well, you should be having time away from work where before the, the old thing was you just get through it. You just keep pushing. You just keep getting through it. Absolutely. 
mate, that's, that's exactly it. I think it's taught us a lot of lessons, uh, you know, especially now during what's happened, you know, and people are actually understanding. I mean, I've always worn a mask, right? Not everyone used to laugh at me. I've been wearing a mask for two, two years now because I'm, okay, I'm a little extreme. I don't want to like, you know what I mean? Get sick, but like now people understand, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's crazy. Well, you could get sponsorships and stuff for those masks now, mate. Now that it's yeah, maybe we'll yeah. see what happens. I'd be, I'd be talking <laughs> to you. I'd be getting something happening there. That's for sure, uh, mate. Talk to me about pre-race routines. Do you have any? Is there anything you've got to go through? Maybe even the night before, certain things you do. Do you have any sort of superstitions? Anything like that? Uh, I would say I'm a little superstitious. I think, like for me, routine-wise, I'm not really too bothered. I like to just you know, start stretching an hour and a half before I race, jump in about 55 minutes before, you know, get out. I like to be quite late. I usually am quite late in the core room. I don't like to go sit too early sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I just put my suit on as like last minute, like 15 minutes before, walk over there, put music in. I mean, nothing really special. I always carry a little lucky charm for my brother, mm-hmm. a little something that he gives me. So I always walk out with that before every big race. Um, yeah, has I mean, that ever gone bad? Really. Getting the getting the togs on fifteen minutes before before you dive in has that ever gone wrong? Yeah, yeah, it's, I've, I've, yeah, I've for sure. I've, uh, but it's also gone great. I mean, my world record in short course hundred fly. I literally was upstairs with the physios like eight minutes before I dived in. I was like sitting on the bed with the physios, you know what I'm saying? Like just sitting like, like, you know, whatever, warming up, like with my earphones on, like I was still like, you know, my towel naked, just getting like, I hadn't actually put my suit on yet. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, yeah. And then, you know, 11 minutes later, I was, you know, broke the whole record. So like, yeah, it's, it's worked out well sometimes. Not, I'm not that late. I mean, I just, I don't want to go, I don't like to sit in my suit too long. It's more, it's not really the core room. It's more the sit, sitting in the suit. I don't want to be too stiff. You know, I like to be comfortable. So, yeah. What about pre-race playlists? What do you listen to before? Or do you not listen? Some people don't listen to anything. But if you do listen to music, what do you like to listen mm. to before a race? Yeah, well, I listen to a bunch of stuff. I think now my brother, my younger brother, he's made, a, he's made some music. It was only in recent uh, months. What category he fits into, but some really cool stuff, which he's actually going to release at the end different stuff i like a lot of old school mm-hmm. uh 80s and 90s before you know like an, you know, more eminem vibes uh you know so yeah mate talk to me about some of your favorite sessions of the week um during your training set like what what do you enjoy is it speed is it aerobic i know a few cheeky people on here have said recovery is their favorite <laughs> session of the week <laughs> what, what's your favorite you know what I, I like? You know, Mondays, Thursdays, and Fridays are usually like our hard days in the in the in the evenings. Uh, we do usually fifties fly on Monday night, usually hundreds on Thursday, and then Friday. I'd say Friday is probably one of my favourites. It's just because I get to race the big boys: Ben Proud, Manadu, Simonis, all the fifty freestylers. So we do like twenty um, fives of the block, fifteens, real proper speed. You know, so like that's that's more fun for me. I I, I look forward to that. I think. Uh, I mean, sure, I, I, I enjoy, I mean, I think I enjoy after the 100 flies and the 50 flies are done. I enjoy that after I've done a good job, but like during is quite difficult, obviously. Um, some respects, I think I like it. You know, there's a fine line in your head between, you know, pain and happiness, you know what I mean? Yeah, so, 
Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, yeah, I, I don't like to swim easy. I, I, I wouldn't say, I definitely wouldn't say recovery is my favorite part of the week. I, I like to feel like I'm, I'm working out, right? So whether that's freestyle, threshold or butterfly anaerobic, I think, yeah, I don't really mind depending on the week. I like, I like training with people. So if I have a really top guys training with me, then I, I enjoy those sessions, you know? With you Jimmy like Garkin, competitive environment. Yeah, I like I like a competitive environment. So whatever it is, I don't really care what it is. Um, I'll do it as long as there's like some cool guys with me, you know, yeah. or girls, should I say? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Don't what keep yourself. Sarah Thorson can throw it down, man. Yeah. She, when she decides to throw it down, like, let's make no mistake about it. You know, she can really, <laughs> she can test the boys. I'll tell you. <laughs> I don't doubt that for a second, um, mate. What about favorite sets? Obviously. You know, training for the 200 fly and 400 IM, as you were saying before, there's no doubt you, you would have been put through, some, put through some work through your time. What are some of your favorite sets that you look back on? And maybe at the time you weren't enjoying it, but you look back and you're like, oh, I'm pretty proud I actually got through that and I, I did pretty well. Yeah, we got two really famous ones with my old coach. We did, uh, so every Saturday we did it, every alternating Saturday. So the first one was 400 IM yep. on about... 536 minutes send off time and then eight 100s freestyle on about 115 120 uh with paddles um holding under minutes right so 58 59s four times so pretty much yeah what's it 4.8 4. um yeah that was like the main set right but we we did it as like uh the medleys were descending so it starts on like 445 then we'd go to like 4.38 and then we'd go like 4.35, whatever. And then obviously last one, try to get under 4.30, 4.26, 4.27, whatever that was, right? Mm. And the freestyle just constantly holding, you know, just holding those yeah. 58s. That was quite a tough set uh, growing up. And then the other one was probably even harder. Well, it was either 1600s fly on 130, six twos back, six twos breast, uh, yeah, it was one easy one hard for the breaststroke and the backstroke and then four 400s freestyle five minutes just survive yeah uh, that was quite a hard set job. We, we did 12 100s it depends 1200s fly it was usually like 12 100s fly something along those lines you know that was quite a tough one um, so those, those hundreds fly on 130 what would you have to be holding there uh, I try to go 62s long course 62s I mean, I'm quite a descender, you know, so I'd usually start a little bit slower and get down. I mean, my best ever was, I think Rio, we did them on, I think on Rio, we did them 140. I think we did 140, we did 10 of them or 12 of them. I finished on 55, the last one. So we went like 102, 102, 103, 102, and then maybe like 101, 101. And then like the last three, I went like 103, 58, 55. Yeah. So... Right. Yeah, bad. I, mean, I think it was extra rest. I, I don't want to say 130 for that. I think it could have been 140, to be honest with you. That's right, 130. Don't let the truth get in the way of a good story, mate. Don't worry. Make it 120. Make it whatever you want. Make it 120. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> mate, what are a few keys uh, in putting together a great 200 fly? Now, I had one of our great um, female, as I mentioned before, 200 flyers in uh, Susie O'Neill on not long ago and talking about her, you know, theories behind me and how she swam it for all those kids out there listening that are, are flyers and, and, you know, their coach is saying, mate, I think you could do really good in the 200 fly. What, what are some of the keys to putting together a great 200 fly? Like, I mean, don't give away your trade secrets, but what's sort of your, your general race plan in terms of putting together a 200 fly? 
I'd say from, from a training perspective, or you would want to be, obviously, you have to work hard for it, right? It's, it's like before 9 a.m., you've got to really work for it. Um, but I mean, like, try to find that easy speed, I'd say, you know, especially like the first 75. You want to just be as easy as you can. Mm. Sorry, as efficient as you can. That's the word. Um, and you want to build that third 50, which is something I'm not great at. <laughs> Usually that's my weakest one. And obviously come off that last wall. You know, I think I always started the opposite. I did underwaters first. I was like practicing so hard underwaters. You know, you come from more of like a short course background. So like we worked our underwaters a hell of a lot. Um, I think that helped me in the turn and fly because I was always pretty you know, nimble off the turns. And I think like that obviously helps, um, especially the back end. But like, yeah, you obviously got to have a level of fitness and toughness, right? Mm. But the key is, I'd say the key is be as efficient as you can in the first hundred, you know, and then almost at 85%, you don't want to be, you don't want to be overextended, almost like I was last year at the, in the final. I was at like 99%, 52-3 the first hundred. That was a little bit too hard. <laughs> um, you want to be, be swimming within yourself, but then I'd say like three seconds from your 100 fly PV, first hundred. That's what I always look at. Yeah. So, yeah. Mate, that is great advice. Um, in terms of that final 50, what is going through your head though? There's no doubt you're known for just charging in that last 50. Is it all just grit and determination? Is it you're thinking about that? What's going through your head through that last 50? Usually, I need to catch this <laughs> SOB. I need to catch this one. You know what I mean? <laughs> um, yeah, I, I think uh, it depends. You know, like I think in recent years, I've, you know what, I haven't, honestly speaking, mate, like I haven't, I haven't done the right work in the last couple of years for the tuna fly, you know, uh, we, tr we experiment with a lot of things. I think now with, with James, you know, our new coach, we're doing some proper training for tuna fly. Like we, we're doing really, really good stuff now. Um, you know, I, I, I experimented with some gym for the first time about 18 months ago, two years ago. It didn't really work for me. You know, I got a bit heavy and, you know, I don't really do gym. This is not my thing. Right. So, um, I'd say, in, in, in previous years, like let's talk about like 20, before 2016, right? Like I would just be thinking about catching the guy that was ahead of me. Yeah. I think after 2016, I had, you know, obviously changed the tactics up, was going out hard, you know what I mean? And I was, like, I was the one getting chased. I was like almost the opposite, just like stay ahead, right? Um, but we'll see. I mean, I think with me, you know, I'm, I don't know, I'm unpredictable when it comes to my racing. I can, I can, I can swim it out fast. I can bring it back. So we'll see. We'll see what happens next year. You know, mm. I have some 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 tricks up my sleeve, I'd say, uh, with that. But we'll, we'll 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 we won't give away too much. But I'd say just like focusing whatever gets you through. So some people focus on technique, stroke count, uh, underwaters, um, uh, you know, tempo, whatever it is. Like I don't really think about too much. I, I'm like I said, I always really just race the race. I don't really think about stroke rates. I don't even know what my stroke rates are until recently. You know what I mean? So I'm just kind of just yeah. Hey, I guess I was curious more towards that because um, I spoke to the four by one freestyle relay from Sydney 2000 games only just yeah. uh, a week ago. And um, I was talking to Thorpe about his, his final 50 and, and, you know, getting over the top of Gary Hall Jr., which is just a, a famous finish. And he was saying yeah. that 25 out, he started thinking about, okay, lengthen my stroke. And to me, I was like, what, this is like the biggest moment in Australian swimming history, sporting history. And here he is thinking about lengthen my stroke. I've got to do this. So, you know, I was just curious as to sort of what goes through your, 
your minds uh, at the elite level? Because is it all, you know, is everyone thinking about length in their stroke? Are some people just thinking about, as you said, let's get that SOB in front of me. It's interesting to yeah. me a different it's way people think. Mm, no, no, I think, I think you know what, it, it, it just depends on where you're at in your training and how you've prepared. And, you know, there's times when I definitely think about lengthening my stroke because I get very short. I mean, I get those chicken arms, do you know what I mean, the last 25. So, yeah, I'm, I'm grinding, right? I'm, I'm grinding the last, last, last 35 meters. But I think um, um, definitely now, like I'm, I'm thinking about lengthening my stroke and just being more, um, being more efficient. I, I wouldn't say the last 50, right? It's, it's tough. No, the last 50, I'm, I'm tempo, right? I'm just seeing red. I'm just, I'm just going for it, right? Biting, biting my lip. Um, yeah, many times I'm bleeding off my race because I've bitten my lip through. Yeah, yeah, yeah I, I'm, uh, I'm, not, I'm not as good as, I'm not as great as Thorpe. You think you're my length of stroke. I mean, he's, he's, he's an absolute legend, you know. Um, actually, that was, wasn't that race about a week ago? Yeah, I, I got to yeah, yeah I got to speak to them twenty years from the day yeah, when they raced. Yeah, 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 that's so cool, man. Yeah, oh, I love Thorpe. I think he's such a such a legend, you know. Um, really, I mean, obviously as an athlete, but just as a as an ambassador for the sport, and 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 yeah, really, really great car, you know. Honestly, really, really great car. Absolutely, man. I, yeah, as I said, I, I don't know what I get to, what I do that gets me so lucky to talk to, you know, to swimmers like yourself or sitting down with Thorpe and Michael Clem, Ash Callis, Chris Fyler. Yeah, absolutely. Team. I'm definitely not in his category. He's a, oh, man, he's a, he's a legend, man. I'm a, you're, you're a I'm legend, too, mate. Don't worry about it. No, you're, you're doing pretty well. Uh, 2016 Rio Olympics. Uh, before we talk about the, the results, talk to me about the lead up to that for you because there's no doubt coming into it, you're world champion from the hundred the year before you're defending Olympic champion in the 200. How was the pressure in the lead up to Rio? I'm, I'm, I'm very interested in that mindset because there's no doubt it must've been a different feeling to the lead up to London. Yes, definitely. Look, I think from a pressure point of view, it was more from like myself. I was, you know, I, I thought I was going to win. No problem. I, I was, I was so confident that I was going to win both 100 and 200 fly, you know, like no doubts in my mind. Um, no, look, the preparation was good. You know, I, I don't like to talk about, uh, especially after defeats, you know, I don't like to talk about what happened before because that's, that's just weak, you know, making excuses. So for me, I, I'm not going to talk too much about the preparation in terms of training. You know, look, that, 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 what, that, that is what it was, right? Um, I had some problems outside the pool. Uh, definitely had some problems outside the pool. Um, you know, again, I, I don't really want to talk too much about that. I feel like it's just, you know, you're making excuses when, you know, it's just not my, it's just not my, my, my personality to talk about stuff, especially after I've lost. I'd say, look, it was, it was, it was, it was a, a decent preparation. The pressure from, from, from outside the pool was, it was medium. You know, it wasn't, it wasn't crazy hard for me. I was, I was confident. I was in a good space, um, you know, a decent space. Uh, a couple of things, you know, that we could have gone better. I'd say outside the pool, you know, nothing inside the pool. There was nothing psychologically that was a problem for me. I was, I was, uh, I was in good spirits, really. I think the, look, the turn of fly, I can speak about that. That was, that was the worst performance of my career, right? That's a race that will eat me up, I think, forever. You know, I was, I was, I was ashamed of that race, actually. I was, I was, I was, I was, uh, you know, I don't want to say devastated. It's not, it's not the word I, I like to use. I was, I was very disappointed, you know, and, uh, you know, again, uh, I, I know what went wrong. I know there were reasons for, for what happened. There were definitely reasons for what happened because if we race that race a hundred times, you know, in a different, whatever, 
mm. all the same athletes. I, I do believe that I win. I win the majority of those, you know, in my in my opinion, you know. But I mean, that's, so what, that's, happened that's, that's what, 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 what happened in that race? Yeah, no, I can't. I can't say. I, I, you know, it's not. Unfortunately, I can't. I can't say. If I win next year, I'll tell you. No I worries. You. I'll hold I can't, you. I can't. You know, I'll tell you why. You know, the reason my, my reasoning behind that is because you know, it's disrespectful to Phelps. It's disrespectful to um, Sakai and uh, Kinderessi. You know, because they beat me and and I got fourth and. That's life, you know. I think mm. uh, it was it was nothing. It was nothing mental. I can tell you, there's nothing emotional. There's nothing mental. There's nothing. Yeah. It was nothing along those thoughts. I mean, you can put one and two together, but like, yeah, it is what it is. I'll I'll, I'll talk about it in my documentary, but uh, <laughs> before that happens, before that happens, I'll tell you. I'll tell you exclusively after Olympics. Okay. I'm if, gonna I hold, win, if I win, I'm going to hold you to that. Don't be one of those people though that starts saying like, do me a favor. Don't ever write a book and do interviews about the book and say, oh, listen, I can't really talk about that, but if you go out and buy the book, I promise it's all in there. Don't be that guy because that's... No, that's no, I'm not going to be that guy. No, 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 no. No, this is the reason... The reason no, I'm I know, I know, mate. I'm only genius. No, it's saying. all good. I'm only genius. Let's yeah, talk about yeah. the 200 free, though. Let's talk about that. Silver medal, yeah, that was, outside lane. You must have been pretty proud of that one. I was very proud, man. That was, that was a huge... That was a gold medal on my eyes. I mean, even though... I got the silver. It was an amazing, uh, amazing race. I was I was prepared. Uh, I mean, I don't have, I don't have a tactic, right? Because I was, I was not really. I'm I'm not a good I'm not a good freestyle swimmer. Like I really I'm really not. I'm not a natural freestyle swimmer. So like, the tactic was to obviously go out hard and surprise them and stay ahead. But like the problem was, I was I was I was too inexperienced in the tuna freestyle because my first final ever was the year before. Mm. You know when Jimmy Gar won. So, you know, I knew I had one game plan. I thought it would work. I really did because I knew I was also, again, from the semis, I knew I had a little bit left. Um, but, yeah, it was, a, it was a great moment. Uh, some respects. I mean, whichever way you want to spin it, I probably should get the gold medal one day. I mean, obviously, Sun Yang is a... I didn't want to say a, anything, especially I've, I've already pushed your buttons too much. I didn't, I didn't want to say anything. Nah, but I no, was no, going to no, say, no, no. Should, you, should that be a different color? No, of course it should be. I mean, again, I'm not the type of person that would, after losing, say, oh, I want the gold medal. That's not my style. I don't even care about the gold medal, right? You don't have to give it to me. I just yeah. want it for my record. If I break my leg tomorrow and I can't swim, my record should say two golds, two silvers, not, not three silvers, one gold, because that changes everything for my legacy in South Africa, um, you know, as a, a living medalist on the all-time list one day, you know, individual medalist, you know, not, not just not relays, you know. So, so for me... Um, yeah, I, I believe I should get that result just because he failed the drug test before that in 2015, right? Mm. It's just terrain of all, testosterone, you know? So, I mean, all the guys, I mean, Mac, you know, you know how it is. I mean, you guys know in Australia how it is. Look, he, yeah. he, he again, this is not personal towards Sun Yang. I, I don't even know him as a person. So, he could be the greatest guy in the world. I don't know him as a person. I have nothing against Sun Yang, right? Yeah. I have a problem because he's failed the drug test, you know? You want to know something crazy, Robbie? Go for it. And this is not to, this is not to blow my own trumpet, right? I have, I'm not sure what it is. I think it's 15 world championships, uh, world championship gold medals from short course, right? Mm -hmm. I don't want to mention names in anybody. Uh, I have, I think it's 14 gold, three or two silver, one bronze. I should have, um, I should have seven, uh, 16 gold, one silver. For the guys that have failed tests or tested positive, mm. you know what I'm trying to say? Yeah. You go back and look at the record. I'm not going to mention names to anybody, but like, my short course uh, war title should be almost perfect, you know. 
So uh, how important is it? And I, I guess we're in a sport, mate, where everyone's pushing it themselves to the limit. I, I mean, a, a big sport out here is, is rugby league in Australia. And there's, there's constantly people, um, you know, getting done for, you know, pushing the limits in, in even just recovery. It might not be so sort of performance enhancing in terms of getting in the pool and, and being at their fastest, but it might be to, to speed up recovery. It might be little things like that. How important yeah. is it that we are pushing to have a clean sport so that, you know, we're not looking at things going, okay, well, you know, is this, is this race, you know, did the fastest person win or did just the person win that didn't get a, uh, didn't With get the a doctor. Yeah, basically. Yeah. Look, my philosophy is this, right? I'm no expert on drugs or supplements or whatever you want to call it, right? I don't even take much, right? You know what I mean? I'm just simple whey protein. I didn't even take creatine or any of that stuff. So I eat my dad's steak. South African <laughs> steak. That's what that gives me the power. So yeah. look, for me, for me, mate, if you, if you get caught with anything, you should be banned because you carry the benefits going forward, clearly, right? Mm-hmm. So it's Sun Yang, you know, all these, all these guys, right? They, they're carrying the benefits for next year or whatever. So like, for people to say, like, for, for people to say, oh, yeah, but he wasn't doping at the Olympics. Of course he wasn't doping at the Olympics. He doesn't need drugs at the Olympics because he's, he's had all the preparation the last six months. Yeah. You know what I'm trying to say? And you don't need to take drugs at the Olympics. I mean, come on, guys, just put your heads together. Like you, it's just, it's just for the training and recovery, like you say, you know what I mean? So I think at the end of the day, I mean, that's, that's really what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, it's, oops, sorry. Oh, look here. It's all sorry, sorry, now. Sorry. <laughs> no, you're right. um, yeah, I think, I think for me, I'm just really, um, I'm just against it all. You know, I just feel like these guys are getting away with, they're robbing people of like, of moments, you know, like for me, I, I lost that moment because, and if I had won, if I just won that tuna free, right, on day one, right, and I got fourth in that tuna fly, sixth in the hundred fly, man, it didn't, it didn't matter to me. You know, I'm a Olympic champion. It's a huge, man, my life would be different. You know, I'd be, I would have done, you know, great things with the platform I would have gained on top of London in South Africa. I would have obviously, you know, whatever, more sponsors, you know, financial benefits, whatever, right? But just the moment that I would have had with my family as a, as a hero for my country, you know what I mean, to come back and have the reception I had at the airport, I think, you know, it's, it's just sad that that, um, I didn't get to have that moment, but also the last of Jimmy guy, you know, he got, he got fourth in that race. Yeah. My teammate, Harris Brown, he would have made the final, right. And maybe he would have, I mean, he was beating me in training in freestyle back then, you know, so maybe he would have got a medal also. Mm. That would have been life changing for him. Maybe he wouldn't have stopped swimming. Um, when he did, you know, the year after whatever it was, you know, so you're killing generations of people yeah. by letting these guys go on, you know? So, so, you know, you know, the Sun Yang case is, 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 it was disgraceful these last couple of years. Letting him swim, even last year at World Champs, was it's actually, actually disgraceful. You know, letting a man like that swim. And it's not just him. You know, they're not having a, I'm not having a go at him. I'm having a go at all these guys. Yeah, no, 100%. You know, it's, it's, it's almost, I mean, look, I, I don't know who, who, who's giving it to them or how they're getting it. If it's, if it's from other higher levels, whatever. I mean, but if you're taking it on your, on your own accord, I mean, man, it's just, it's just, it's just, it's just coward like, man, in my mm. opinion. I mean, it's just wrong, you know. You just you're robbing people of, of everything, you know. So Absolutely. I mean, look at Ryan Cochran. Look at look at look at the Canadian. He should have two gold medals at the Olympics. I mean, come on, man. You know, just no. it's a snowball effect. You, you know what I mean? 
yeah, you can yeah. Talk about I was just going to say, mate, I'm going I'm to go to my next question because genuinely we could have a whole nother podcast. <laughs> Me and you yeah. just on that. I, I think, you know, I have my own thoughts, but your, your thoughts are more uh, important than mine. They're going to carry more weight. So uh, I'm more than happy for you to, to speak your mind. I've, I've been doing this podcast for coming up to 100 episodes. And there's no doubt in my mind that a trait of a champion and an out-and-out champion, and you've already displayed this in just some of the things you've said in this chat, is that people hate losing more than they enjoy winning. Do you think that's the case? I mean, there's no doubt you enjoy it. There's no doubt you, you appreciate your wins because I, I know, you, you know there's no way you look back on London and go, oh, what are... But the, the champions, the out-and-out champ, like Susie O'Neill still looks back on Sydney Olympics in that 200. Uh, I'm sure Michael still looks at the 200 from London. I know Grant Hackett looks at his silver medals that he has as disappointing failures. He says it. He said, I look, I still have, he keeps it in his drawer at work to look at things that he, he never wants to have that at work. He wants to be the best. Do you feel the Absolutely. same way? Oh, of course. No doubt. That's why the 200 flat for me, I mean, like, like Michael, you know, right. It was like, uh, no, it was terrible, man. It was like, it was like hard not to cry about it afterwards. I, I had to hold the tears back because, you know, my dad said a famous thing, you know, the Leclerc, the Leclerc family, we don't cry for losing, we only cry for winning. Yeah. So it was, it, was a hard, it was a hard moment. It was a hard pull to swallow for me, absolutely. Just because I know also I could have, you know, could have, should have, whatever. Could have done better, right? Should have done better, should I say. Not could have done better. Um, and it's just, it's hard to look back because moments like that, only, it's not like a football match where you have 90 minutes. Right, or rugby match, you have 80 minutes to make amends for that mistake you did in the first uh, 10 minutes of the game. You know what I'm trying to say? So, like, I just it definitely eats you inside. I, I, I totally agree. I look back at a lot of things, you know, a lot of lot of defeats here and there, you know. Um, but the only thing I can say to that is you come back stronger, you know. Um, I, I literally after after Rio, I broke the world record short course hundred fly. You know what I mean? I won four gold medals short course. You know, I won the world title the year after in a faster time than Michael did. Mm-hmm. You know, I got my redemption for myself. It wasn't for anybody else. It was for myself. I didn't really care. I mean, sure, of course I was doing it for my family, for the fans. But, like, I was so obsessed with winning. I, I, I said it. I said it in an interview right after the race. Right after the race. Like, after the Olympics, I said, I said, look, guys, I don't want to sound uh, disrespectful towards Olympics. Because, you know what? Two silvers is a huge achievement. And I don't want to demean the Olympics and, and the other people that I got medals. I'm grateful for what I have. But you know what? Uh, next year's world championship I'm going to win that tournament fly a lot, of, a lot of people said that's the last tournament fly you'll see Chad swim I laughed at people nobody will retire me I retire myself you know what I'm trying to say no one will retire me you know what I mean I retire people you know what I'm trying to say <laughs> so I was pissed off when people said that crap you know what I mean so I was like no problem and I came out the, the year after and whatever happens going forward I find my, my my form of redemption in my own in my own way. It may, may have not been Olympic final, it was a world championship final, top people. The only one missing was Michael really and, and, and I beat his time from, from from the year before. Which you know, which doesn't mean anything because it's not about times for me. I've never been a time person, you know. Yeah. But I just uh, yeah, I just I just feel like, you know, if if you respond to that, you know, if you come back and you respond and and, and, and I've always said you don't you don't you don't judge a man's character for how he celebrates victory. You judge it for how his back's against the wall. That's mm-hmm. how you judge a man's character. You know what I mean? Anyone can win when times are good. Anyone can win when you're winning 3-0 in, in soccer and you, you score the fourth goal. And you, you know, you, no, you want to, you want to, when you wind it down, 75 minutes in the clock, you know, 15 minutes to go, you want to get that headed goal. You want to score that free kick. You know what I'm trying to say? That, that's, 
that's what you live for. You know what I mean? So that's, that's, that's what I, that's what I, you know, I was, I was hungry after, after 2016. I still am hungry. I'm, I'm, I'm overly hungry right now. And, and that's not, <laughs> you're fire. I can tell you're fun. getting fired up and I love it. It's nine. It's actually you know nearly 10 30 at night here, mate, but you're getting me pumped up. I might go for a run after the, actually let's, let's, not, <laughs> let's not kid ourselves. I'm not going for no, a run. But you know, mate, it's not. It's not about. It's not. I'm not saying I'm going to win next year. You know, yeah. I, I, I probably. You know, on paper, I have no chance of winning next year because I'm up against youngsters that are better than me, faster than me, blah blah blah. The list goes on. But you know what, mate? I know one day I will get. I will. I will win again. It may not be next year. It may be Paris. Allez Paris. You know, it might be there. I don't know when it's going to be, but it's going to come again. You know, and I'm. I'm. I'm confident that. And, and maybe it doesn't come in the form of a gold medal, right? Maybe it comes in the form of something else. And, and I'll. I'll keep fighting. Until I until I'm satisfied, you know, and 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 I don't think that's going to come anytime soon, right? You know, so I I've got a lot more goals I want to achieve, you know, in the sport outside the sport, you know. Yeah. So we'll see, we'll see what happens. <laughs> I love it. I love the enthusiasm. Now, there's no doubt 2018 was a big year for you, and you already mentioned at the beginning that you loved the Com Games on the Gold Coast. How much loved did it. you enjoy coming over here, racing on the Gold Coast? You obviously did very well. There's no doubt about that. I think, uh, were you the first person to go uh, three Com Games in a row uh, gold medalist as well? I think yes. you've got that accolade as well. So you love, there's no doubt you loved it. How much did you, did you enjoy the loved week? It. And also, yeah. once you finish telling me about the racing, talk to me about after it. Did you spend some time on the Gold Coast, get to go out and enjoy yourself? I'll tell you what, man, it was honestly one of the greatest weeks ever for me. And I'm not just saying that because you're Australian. I say the Gold Coast is one of the most amazing cities just from a – look, the week was phenomenal. The training, the racing, the crowd was fantastic. The stadium, the outdoor stadium was gorgeous. Um, I think uh, afterwards it was even better, mate. I mean, I had some friends fly from America to come watch me. We had this beautiful place on the Gold Coast. Uh, I think on surface, I don't know, or somewhere – you were there on the beach, beautiful place. So I was, I was there for like nine days afterwards. And even the, the parties were awesome. You know what I mean? We had city most nights. It was, it was an incredible week. Um, just, just being with the family afterwards, going to see some other sports. Um, you didn't get to party with the, Usain Bolt, did you? Cause I know he was enjoying I, the week. I did. I did. I was there with him. I was with him in South Africa also afterwards. So we had a couple of uh, the South African met, you know, we had the, um, no, it was, it was fantastic. I got to meet, um, uh, Mick Fanning, Absolute legend, great guy. I, got to, I had a surf lesson with him, masterclass. Oh, very nice. It was nice. brilliant. It was, it, was such a, it was such a breathtaking week for me. I think uh, my, my, my mom and dad enjoyed it so much. You don't understand. We didn't want to leave, mate. We actually, so, so my friends were from America. They, they planned another holiday somewhere, in, uh, somewhere close by. I'm not sure, I'd say New Zealand, maybe, after the Com Games, like two days after. They enjoyed it so much. They canceled the trip. They gave their, their accommodation, their flights to somebody else. You know, anybody, you know, anybody that wanted their fights because they stayed an extra 10 days with us because they enjoyed it so, so much. Crazy, crazy time. Very nice, mate. Um, uh, you're not the first person that said that too, by the way. I think a lot of people did enjoy their time uh, on the Gold Coast. Now, talk to me about your coach, James Gibson. Um, how's he helped your career reinvigorated? Obviously, you're not getting any younger. I mean, you, you're not super old, but you, you're not as young as you used to be, but you seem to be as reinvigorated and as, as passionate as you've ever been. So what, what makes that partnership work so well, do you think? I think just the understanding between the coach and the athletes is unbelievable. You know, James is, he understands me as a person. He understands that I have needs as a, as a man and as a, you know, family oriented man, I have to go home. I have to, 
see my girlfriend, I have to do my own things. You know, he understands that. And he's just, his, his, his management of emotional energy is what separates him from everyone else. You know, he understands that people need downtime. They need to be worked hard. They need to be, he, he paints everyone with a different brush. And that's what makes him, for me, the greatest coach ever, you know. Uh, we have two other great coaches, you know, Tom Richardson and, and Delano Silva, and obviously Marco Costa, you know, the gym coach. So we have a, a team around us, which is fantastic. I work with all of them on a daily basis. And we all just, uh, we have a great understanding. I don't know how to say it better. You know, we just, we just, he, he knows I'm going to give 100%. I mean, I'm always going to give 100%, right? That's, that's, that's who I am. If he tells me to do 10 for one, fly, I'll do it, you know. I'll ask questions. I'll say, why are we doing it? What's this going to help with? But mm. I will do it. You know what I'm trying to say? And uh, we work together on a lot of things. And, 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 and um, yeah, I think just, that's just it, really. He understands. He just understands the. He understands that there's, there's also, like, because um, he was a swimmer himself, you know. He understands that there are times when, you know, I uh, you know, don't want to be there, right? I don't want to come to Turkey on that day. I don't want to fly on a Friday, you know what I mean, to get there on a Saturday so I can have – you know, I'll fly on a Sunday, get there Monday and maybe be a bit tired for Tuesday because I get the extra weekend with my family, you know, that type of stuff. You know, he, he, just, he just understands it better than other people. Well, I'm glad you said too in asking questions why we're we doing this. That's something I encourage my swimmers to do all the time and I think it's really important. Obviously, in a very respectful way, you don't want to be asking in, a, no, in an no, obnoxious no, way, but I, I do appreciate what you're saying there because I think it's, it's important that athletes understand why they're doing the training and why they're doing and where that's going to lead to and the progression of that because so many swimmers just go through the motions, don't they? And they just go, okay, coach, put their head down, away they go. They've got no idea why they're doing it. Absolutely. Absolutely. No, uh, yeah, that's, that's exactly it. I mean, you said it, you said it perfectly. Hey, talk to me about your partnership with Arena, one of the best brands in the business. Now, I am sponsored by Arena here on the podcast as well. This is not a paid thing. I don't actually get paid to talk about Arena. I just know that when I see an athlete with an Arena you know, emblem on their suit, that's the best suit in the race. There's no doubt about that in my mind. <laughs> as a coach, no I, I just no think doubt, it is. No talk to me about your partnership with Arena. No, I'm very proud. Uh they're like a family to me. You know, I've been with them for many years. I've never actually raced in any other suits. Never, ever, ever. Uh, back in 2009 when the suits came out, I was uh, the first suit I ever wore in 2008 in Commonwealth Games. You can go back and look. I was the, the uh, you know, the... Actually, I didn't even wear suits back then. I just wore briefs. I just wore... I never believed in suits. But before, but when I started wearing suits at the end of, uh, what was it, 2009, X-Cloud was the first suit. And then obviously, they signed me up in 2010 before the Commonwealth Games, before anything, actually. They, they believed in me from the beginning. So uh, 10 years now with them. Jeez, 10 years, eh? Unbelievable. Mm. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Great suit, great partnership, great people. And uh, I'm, I'm proud to be a part of it. What suit are you wearing these days? Uh, listen, I'm, I'm not going to pretend that I know because I, I, I'm not around it. I don't wear suits. I don't even think one of my legs could fit in them. <laughs> what, suit, <laughs> what suit do you wear these days? And, and what, you know, what do you enjoy about it most? Yeah, I like the I like the carbon air. That's the one that's always got me. Um, and they, they came out with the the carbon pro series a couple of years ago. I think it was four years ago. That was really cool. Um, it was really great for the hundred fly and like hundred free and stuff like that. I felt like it was a little bit tight for the four hundred IM and the two hundred flies back then. So I, I moved on to the almost like the old school ones where they just had the R Evolution. You know those ones. Those just the plain black ones. Yep. that's the one I wore in London. So I've, I I love the carbon collections. Um, I definitely love them short course because they fit so nice and snug. But I like to be comfortable. So the, the Carbon Air 2 at the moment is the one that I'm wearing. 
seamless one which comes in it's really really easy um yeah just super super light and uh yeah weighs like nothing it's like a feather so it's perfect smooth for the underwaters if you want your underwaters to get better where the where the carbon air that is great advice now what talk to me about where you get up to away from the pool obviously i said i've I've seen you on instagram and i sound like a stalker but i just you're on there and i see you pop up and you're out on the beach and you're you're enjoying yourself what do you get up to when you're not going up and down the black line i think uh for me um i like to go to the beach uh definitely coming from south africa but i play a lot of poker also Mm -hmm. i play a lot of playstation i've become addicted during this uh, lockdown period um, How do you go with the yeah, PlayStation I, with the misses, though, mate? I can't imagine the misses nah, looks upon it favorably. Yeah, has to understand, mate. Otherwise, otherwise, there is no misses. You know what I mean? <laughs> just like that. <laughs> it's just like that, mate. Oh, that's the best. It's, it's literally. Oh, um, well, mate. Can you still hear me? Yeah, yeah. Mate, Tokyo is just a year away, all going well, and, and it all goes ahead. What can we expect from one of the greatest in our sport? What will, you know, be the Olympic Games next year for you? There's no doubt you'd have some goals in mind in terms of, you know, how you want to, you know, go to those games, what you want to achieve there. Um, I, I was, you know, hinting at maybe this was, you know, your final games, but after you sort of starting to speak a bit of French, mate, I don't, I don't know, maybe it's not. But, yeah, what, what do you got in store for us next year? And where, where's your mind at in terms of certain little goals that you want to achieve? I think firstly, it's definitely not my last games, that's for sure. I think, uh, you know what, I think I'm just going to prepare myself the best I can. Like, if I can have, you know, eight months now of no injuries, then, you know, then we can start talking about some serious stuff happening next year. If I can just have uninterrupted training, I'll, I'll, be, I'll be swing PB. Should, should we just say that, rather? Mm-hmm. I'll, be, I'll be swing best times. I can guarantee you I'll be on my best times. If I have no injuries, no sicknesses, you know, touch wood, Everything will be great. But look, I can't, I can't promise you gold medals. I can't promise you medals, you know, because I don't know what happens. I can't speak for what other people are doing. I don't know. You know, I could maybe go 49.9. Maybe Trestle goes 47. I mean, what can I do then, you know? <laughs> but I think for me, I'm just, um, you know, I'm just, I'm just happy with where I'm at in my life. Uh, I, have, I have a great team around me. I have a great family. Um, I have such a great support uh, structure around me. And I think, uh, you know, I'm, I'm getting better each time I swim you know, training wise. So uh, right now I need, I need to get fitter. So let's not judge me on any other performances, but let's, let's see what happens next year. And uh, I think also this ISL has given me a new life in swimming because now, you know, people can swim short course, you know, in their late thirties and, and be competitive. And I'm still, you know, that's a big part of my future, I think. So uh, I'm grateful for that opportunity also. So we'll see what happens. And uh, yeah, hopefully we can get a couple of medals. Maybe a gold medal. Who knows? Who knows what happens? And uh, yeah. there he is. I knew. I knew you were still in there. You 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 put it out there to like, oh, see, but there's the, there's that fighter in you. I can still see it. But you mentioned there your family, and I, I apologize for not sort of mentioning it before. But how important have your family been to your career, and how important do you think family is to any swimmer's career and ensuring that you know because it's a team effort, isn't it? And there's no doubt when you won the gold in London that yes, you won the goal, but there's a lot of moving parts that go into, you know, helping make that happen, isn't it? Absolutely. Yeah, I think, look, my family are hugely influential and I think, uh, you know, they've been there from the start, you know. So, like, look, it's a team team uh, performance, you know. They were there driving me to the port at 4.30 in the morning, 
cold winter days, you know, they were, they were there fetching me, they were there supporting me, driving around the country to competitions, you know. I think, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's amazing. I'm very grateful. You know, my, my dad, especially, you know, always there. Mom also, you know, she's the silent one in the family, but like, they're just absolute champions. And uh, I couldn't ask a better parents, to be honest. I was going to say the silent one of the families. No doubt dad was a bit of a celebrity after London, especially, <laughs> wasn't he? <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Mate, I want to uh, take that opportunity to, to wrap it up there. You've been a champion for coming on. I think I've chewed your ear off for long enough now. Um, thank you very much for coming on for a chat. As I said, um, even just that voice message to me was just like a, uh, you know, a dream come true for me. I was like, shit, look at this. Look at what I'm rolling with now. So thank you very, very much for agreeing to come on, thank spending you. some great time with me, having a great chat and open and honest chat too, which I really do appreciate. There's no doubt there's certain topics that we talked about that probably people would, uh, you know, decide to go, oh, yeah, I'll just, you know, leave it just because they don't want to upset someone or they, they don't want to, it's not that they're not thinking the same way as you, but I, I do appreciate the honesty, mate. I, I really do. Thank you for helping me, uh, you know, go through your awesome career so far, still a lot to go. Um, and no Thank doubt, I, I think there'll be some twists and turns for you based off, you know, what you were talking about before. So I'm really looking forward to, to seeing it, mate. Hopefully we can stay in touch and, you know, come back on next year. There's no doubt you're coming back on. I'm holding you to that, especially for, you know, that, that, um, that, uh, that's the 200 fly race and, and the story behind that. But until then, thank you very much for coming on off the block swing podcast. Thanks very much, Robbie. Take care, mate. See you soon. No Cheers, Thanks so much. Mate.